you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. and J-Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. We have a guest joining us in the second and third segments, uh, June Hunt. And we are going, going to talk about depression and anxiety and worry. Um, all of these so pervasive in our culture today, even among Christians, even in the Christian community. And uh, one of my concerns, and, and we'll talk about this, not only get practical, but um, that there's sort of become this um, this celebration of what we call brokenness. And, and, and when I say what we call brokenness, I'm, what I'm trying to communicate is that, yes, there there is brokenness. And yes, we are all prone, um, you know, to kind of go our own way. Um, but what we find in our culture today is if you can understand it, a celebration of that brokenness. Mm -hmm. So if a person um, has anxiety or struggles with anxiety mm -hmm. or depression or worry, uh, we no longer try to biblically counsel that person out of that because that's uh, now viewed as harmful in our culture. Mm -hmm. Now what we do is we, we celebrate people who lean into brokenness brokenness yeah. <sighs> and and so so anyway i i just if you could just think about that for a moment if you could just think about how destructive that is if you could just think about how harmful that is but then at the same time you wouldn't be very shocked because you would recognize that man, we're doing that in a lot of different areas. We are encouraging people to lean into brokenness. That's why people who are attracted to the same sex or people who are confused about how God has made them, we don't want those people to be able to get help. We want them to celebrate their brokenness. It is sort mm -hmm. of a common theme in our culture today, um, which I think makes it incredibly difficult to disciple people and to have accountability and all the things that are innate to the Christian faith. And so we're going to, we're going to tackle some of that today in our conversation. So I hope that you'll be able to um, stick with us and listen in and um, let us ever return to the truth of the word of God and filter all of our engagement, no matter what the culture is saying, we filter all of our engagement through a biblical lens. Um, speaking of a biblical lens, I was thinking about something and this kind of, I, I kind of want to, um, I kind of want to address our sister Arlene uh, from Louisiana. I, I want to address her question. She was, I think, the last question we had yesterday, and she was talking about, and so passionately and so heartfelt uh, was her was her comment or her observation about how we have churches that are, you know, building big buildings and mm -hmm. and they would add on and all of these things. And and she was asking the question, which is really and sort of like a well, wait, yeah, why don't we do this? But she's asking the question, why don't why don't we have 
these churches that are adding on, that are building bigger buildings and, and all of these things, why, why wouldn't they build schools? Why wouldn't they build places where our kids could be educated and trained and equipped to be useful to God mm-hmm. rather than um, them being indoctrinated away from the truth when, when we send them to um, a public institution that says there's no place for God? I think we're beyond the point where anybody would argue that God is revered in our public institutions. Right, right. There used to be a time where people would like come at you for that. They'd be like, no, you stop it because we have. And but I think now people are like, uh, well, yeah, no, we don't. You still have a, a few, you know, yeah, but they're a lot less, <laughs> a lot less. I mean, <laughs> they're not reading. The then. evidence has mounted <laughs> so reading. high. I mean, you know. Oh, man. It's yeah, it's undeniable. Yeah. Um, let me say this. I think this may be an overly simplistic view. Um, why why don't we understand what is at stake. I think in so many instances, and I know people are going to say, well, that's what the Addisons always say. It comes down to a biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. It comes down to actually living out and seeing all of the world through the lens of scripture. We have learned to sort of live in this, in this, this kind of like dual place where we live in the world. And, and then, and then we say, we try to, we try to like dip out, we try to dip out and then go live for the Lord. When what the Lord has commanded us to do is to occupy, to be in Mm. the world, not of it, Mm -hmm. to live for his glory, to be salt and light. So we have to be in the world. And then the question then becomes, so how do we live in that world with the constant tension and the constant friction that we have? Well, we have to, where the Bible is prescriptive, we have to apply it and live it. Right. And, 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 but we've, we've learned how not to do that. And I was thinking about this, um, this past weekend and, and it was kind of an, an interesting moment. I was loading, I was loading groceries in the back of our family's vehicle and it was kind of drizzling outside and the drizzle kind of like started to get a little bit, you know, just a little bit more. And I was like, ah, you know, here we go. (laughs) And, um, I'm at the age now where I used to just kind of wear glasses here and there. Now I'm kind of wearing them a lot, like almost (laughs) all the time. And so there are things that if you've always been in this eyeglass world, then you know what I'm about to say. But this, there are things that have become kind of new for me because of wearing um, glasses so often. So I'm loading these groceries into the back of the truck and I start to realize that, man, I, did I say glasses or groceries? I'm loading these groceries, but I'm wearing <laughs> my glasses. I can't remember what I just said. And um, and I'm like, oh, man, I, I wish I didn't have the glasses on because, you know, the glasses are going to get the water all over the glasses. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I I'm I'm loading the groceries, but I'm like, I'm like, I don't see the water. It's, it's raining, but I don't see the water on my glasses, you know. And then I get inside of the vehicle and I focus differently and I see the water on my glasses And then once I focus on the water on my glasses, I cannot not see the water on the glasses. Do you know, like, have you ever gotten like a speck or something Mm -hmm. on your glasses that once you see it, you see it. It is right. But there there is a time where you don't see it, but it is still there. However, once you see it, you then see that speck or that drop of water on everything that you look at through those lenses. Mm. Right. Christians, I think, in some ways have developed the ability to not see through the lenses that they say they wear. They've developed this ability to sort of like, yeah, I have on the glasses, but, you know, I don't I don't really look through them. 
You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm wearing them. So in other words, I'm a Christian, but I'm not really looking through them. I'm not really seeing through the lenses because once you look through the lenses and you see through the lenses, what is on the lenses will color, if you will, will be projected onto everything that you see. And I was thinking about this as I as I was able to focus through the lenses and see the water. Then I saw the water everywhere. So the water's <laughs> on the building across the street. The water's, you know, and yeah, so then you got to yeah. take them off and clean. What I'm saying is, as the body of Christ, and, and this is for everything that we do. This is not just about, you know, whether or not we build schools or or whether or not. This is for everything that we do. This is how we engage culture. This is how we engage our families. This is how we engage the body of Christ. Everything that we do must be through a biblical lens. The question is, what is it that God has commanded us to do? Mm. What is it that God expects us to do? And when we are able to bring that out into our culture, then we do some things that seem to be maybe in some cases, maybe automatic. There are some things that you don't exactly have. Um, like, for example, let me let me just say this, right? So there's not a passage in scripture that commands Christians to build Christian schools. Mm -hmm. Right. However, replete in scripture is the command that we train our kids in godliness and righteousness, that we bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, right. that as we are living life, as we are walking with them, as we are just simply, um, well, I've already said it, as we are living life, that mm -hmm. we are teaching them about who God is, that we are keeping fresh in their minds the knowledge of God, his ways and his will and what he desires for them. And so then when we have that as sort of like the way we approach life, we recognize that we really don't have a whole lot of room for somebody trying to extract that. Mm. <laughs> so then whether that means you build a different school or whether that means you educate them at home or you choose a teacher, you pick somebody who's going to teach your kid. You, you are doing that from a place that everybody who is a believer can agree on. And, and what is that place that God wants our children mm -hmm. to be trained in godliness. Yeah, he I think wants the, the them focus to be is, trained. Is discipleship, you know. Yes. Um, and yes, there are educational things that we do, you know, but the heart of all of that is, like you're saying, training them up, you know, discipleship. And that primarily for the Christian household that the gospel would continue on, would pass on. Amen. You know, these are the instruments that are used, you know, discipleship, you know, to pass on the gospel to the next generation. Yes. So yes. their children would be doing the same thing that we're doing with them. And it goes on and on, you know, as they are professing uh, Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you know, yes, there's education, there's school, there's all, but that's also training and righteousness, you know, and discipleship and all that is together. It's all, Amen. And, you know, it's not separated. It's all together. That's right. And I just I cannot get out of my mind. Um, the Apostle Peter, this promise is for you mm -hmm. and for your children and for those who are far off, everyone who the Lord your God will call. Right. And I think that we have we have neglected. I'm not going to stop saying this. We have neglected the second part of that promise. This promise is for you and it's for your children. Mm -hmm. Right. We have thought that, mm, you know, well, somebody else will reach them. Yeah. Maybe the youth pastor. Yep. Yep. Or maybe they'll have just a good um, moral teacher who will, you know, introduce them to the gospel. Mm. And in the history of this country, those things have been true because you've had people who have all been on the same page. 
largely, mm-hmm. largely, not totally, right? Yeah. There's always, you know, but largely you've had people who've all been on the same page. The question now is for the regrouping of the Christians. So, so when the Christians kind of huddle up, when the coach calls for a timeout, you know, to kind of take a look at where you are in the game, so mm-hmm. to speak, and everybody mm-hmm. kind of, the question is, you know, where are we as far as the majority versus the minority culture? Right. We don't live in a majority moral culture. And here's what I want to say. I don't think we have a moral majority anymore. Mm. I think we have a moral minority. We have a small group of people. I think the Bible describes that group as a remnant. We have a remnant of people. And I think this is something that when the Christian begins to not only recognize this, but accept it and then live differently, it's going to produce some different actions, right? There's going to be some different outcome um, or some different outcomes as a result of that. So I, that's, that's my, my, my long form response, you know, to Arlene's call, why, why don't our churches or why haven't our churches taken more of a role where we say, this is what we're going to do. Look, we, we know of a church. We, we actually, we, mm-hmm. we talked about it on this program. We know of a church in, uh, in North Dallas mm-hmm. that did exactly what our sister Arlene is asking about, man, why don't we have churches? They have, they saw the need and they saw the fact that there was a hemorrhage in the church of their young people. Yeah. Why are our young people falling away? Why are our people, our young people going off to college and then deciding that they want nothing to do with God? What is going on? Like, what is it? What is it that we're missing? And then the realization is we are competing against an ideology that starts from the age of five. (laughs) And now we know at even younger ages, I'm thinking about when we (laughs) once had kids go to school because now they want preschool at three. Right. As soon as the culture can have your kids, mm-hmm. the culture will take them. And look, they're starting in your home on TV. Come on. If they're if they're under three. They're like, watch exactly this cartoon right. so you can be exactly indoctrinated. Exactly right. <laughs> you know? So you can be indoctrinated. So your views Getting can you change. ready for school. <laughs> I mean, you know. And and, and so, so what do you have? What do you have churches doing? Churches are stepping up and stepping in the gap and saying, you know what? We don't have to lose our kids. Why, why don't we take seriously the need to make sure that they have a biblical worldview and that even as they are educated, they are educated with the basis of all belief, Mm. the foundation of all belief that God is, that he exists, that God is, he is real and he has made himself known to his creation. Amen. All right. We'll take a break and we'll come back more through the biblical lens. Our discussion will happen. Aaron, the Addison's American family radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We really do appreciate you listening um, daily. Hopefully, hopefully daily, you are encouraged and provoked in a good way, in a good way um, by your brother and sister in the Lord. That's what we're here to do every single day, just to encourage you that even as we are living life, that we are living life intentionally and that we are filtering all of our engagement through a biblical lens. And I, I know that there are people 
who will say, well, there's just no way. I mean, some things you're going to have to just call audible. <laughs> some things you're just going to have to do it. You know, I just don't believe that. I, you know, I, I just, I will tell you, I have not found myself in a situation where I could not find comfort or instruction or correction or rebuke or mm. training <laughs> in the word of God. I just, I have not been in a situation where I'm like, eh, can't find anything in it. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. not for this. No. And, and I would challenge anyone to put yourself in a position where you, so to speak, mm-hmm. put the Lord to the test in this. Bring your situations to him, like live life intentionally where you are going to filter everything that you do through the word of God, which means that you will find yourself asking tough questions. And I'm not trying to be facetious here, but some of the toughest like, okay, where in scripture am I to go? Where, where in scripture am, am I to go for this particular situation? Yeah. Um, anyway, we, we don't do it, but when we do it enough, it will become a habit. Hmm. It will become, it will become the your, default. your. It will be your default. <laughs> It'll be the way you see the world. And, and these things won't be revolutionary. They won't be like earth shaking things. It'll, it'll just be like you, you'll, you'll stop and you'll say, well, well, let's see what the Lord says about this. Yeah. Has the Lord already spoken on this issue? What has he said regarding this issue? Anyway, welcome back. This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that was uh, Tori Kelly with Psalm 42. All right. And today we are going to turn our attention toward, um, which sounds kind of counterintuitive to say we're going to turn our attention toward worry, but we are <laughs> going to turn our attention toward worry, stress and depression. And I, and I believe that these fall into the category of something that is increasing in our culture. But again, we, we take a specific look at the body of Christ. How is it that we are navigating worry, stress and depression? Um, I, I said in the first segment here that we've got this sort of like a normalization of of these emotions of worry, stress and depression and even almost sort of like a celebration. And so we want to talk about that um, in just a little bit. Our guest here, I'll go ahead, even as she's getting queued up to get on with us, I'm going to go ahead and introduce her and then we can jump right into um, the discussion. Uh, June Hunt is the founder and CSO, Chief Servant Officer. I love huh. that. Okay. She is the founder. The man, right? <laughs> like, oh, right. I love it. All I love right. it. Okay. Yeah. She's the founder and CSO, Chief Servant Officer <laughs> of Hope for the Heart. Uh, she, has a, she is an author, a singer, a speaker, and, uh, and she's a worldwide biblical uh, counselor. So around the world, the body of Christ is blessed by her ministry around the world. Her life work has yielded landmark contributions in the field of Christian counseling. Um, hope for the Heart, which she founded in 1986, offers biblical hope and practical help, biblical hope and practical help through biblical counsel, coaching and context for contemporary concerns in more than 60 countries on six continents. Wow. That is amazing. Wow. That is amazing. I wow. love this here, this quote. There are no hopeless situations, only people who have grown hopeless. There really are biblical solutions for all of life's struggles. Mm. I want to dive into Man. this. I want to talk about it because that's one of the ways that I feel like the enemy has deceived us. So many of us into believing that there, this situation is hopeless, that there is no hope, that there is nowhere to turn when we have the sure foundation of the word of God. And so Amen. that's what we're going to, we're going to discuss that today. Uh, June, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Oh, I'm blessed to talk with you. Thank you. 
Yeah, it's great to get to talk with you. Um, by the way, I, I love Chief Servant Officer. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I had never heard it. Yeah, I had it, never it, heard that. That's yeah, awesome. it is the best. And I, and I think if you if you if we all kind of take a step back, that describes all of us. Right. Or at least it should, it should. describe Amen. all of us in, in a certain yeah. way. Let's talk about. Well, um, in truth, it's, it's God's truth and that mm. we deal with. And it's his uh, principles and and his the life of Jesus in us. So really, it it uh, I, I never liked being. CEO, I, but I love being CSO, mm. Chief Servant Officer. I Amen. love that. I really do appreciate that. I want to, before we dive into talking specifically about worry and stress and depression, I want to kind of pull back and make sort of like a blanket observation. And I don't know, maybe as a counselor, you would say there's not a good way to make a blanket observation. But I want to throw this out at you and kind of um, learn as to whether or not you've observed this in the culture. It seems to me that even in the Christian context, uh, we have adopted uh, what seems to be uh, normal worry, stress, depression, anxiety. And instead of seeking help, um, it seems like even among Christians, we have allowed for this to kind of be celebrated. Like everybody is sort of leaning into brokenness and brokenness now is not something that we need help with. Rather, it's something to be encouraged or even celebrated. Have you observed this happening? I think there's a great deal of confusion. Some people think, well, I can't help it. I just feel that way. And they, they deal with feelings. Worry is not a feeling. Hmm. It's mental. It's mental distress. And what I think we do need to do is separate out uh, different things. In fact, I used to think it was emotional. I was doing a, a book on how to handle your emotions, and I had worries, and all of a sudden I thought, wait a minute, <laughs> I had six emotions, and I thought, no, uh, worry is not an emotion. And the reason I'm pointing to this because I know you mentioned a number of issues, but Jesus said, the truth sets you free. The Apostle Paul says, we are transformed by the renewing of the mind. So it's vital, if we're going to have victory in our lives, is not to be uh, allowing the tail to wag the dog (laughs) with emotions, Mm -hmm. but instead... To understand, since worry is a state of mind, it's a way of thinking, it's a mental habit, worry is a a preoccupation with something bad that may happen or may not happen. And we see scriptures like, and by the way, sometimes it cannot happen, that if what we are worrying about, um, we need to evaluate, what, what are we worried about because we see in Psalm 55, my thoughts trouble me and I am distraught. So what I'm going to pose is what we are told by God in his word, do not worry. Mm -hmm. Do not worry. Do not worry. And you think, well, wait a minute. Um, You know, I'm I'm rational. And by the way, I'm very rational. I'm very practical. Uh, I'm math. Math makes sense. That doesn't make sense to everybody, but it makes sense to me. And, and so my, my point is, 
I think we have to start, the starting place of all these things that you were mentioning is what are we allowing our minds to dwell on? Because we are told we can be double-minded mm-hmm. and unstable in all we do. That's James, the very first chapter, verse 8. And James is a super practical book. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you think about it, and I'm going to be very specific here. Mm-hmm. How has worrying helped you in the past? I'm going to ask you that question. Will, do you want to answer that question? Well, how has worrying it, helped you? I'll tell you, it has not helped me. a matter of fact, mm-hmm. you know, I felt like one thing that the Lord spoke to my heart was, I've given you the answer for anxiety and worry and all that stuff, and, you know, is to, is to pray, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so it has not helped me. One one bit, and and by the way, how will worrying help you in the future? It won't. It's because <laughs> if it's if way. it's mental distress, just a, a, a state. In fact, it, what's what fascinating is the word uh, worry. Um, it, we're told it uh, the worries of life come in and choke the word. Mm-hmm. and make it unfruitful, the Word of God. So there's something wrong here if we're told we're not to worry about anything. And you know we have to trust God that worrying is not going to be helpful to us. Mm-hmm. And that Because if we don't want to be double-minded, mm-hmm. uh, and by the way, that word worry in Greek, it's a Greek word meaning um, to worry anxiously, to be distracted by, literally to have a divided mind. Mm. So if we have a divided mind, that we're, we're in trouble. Yeah, because that's not according to God's will. So we've got to evaluate what do we do with our minds. By the way, notice there's a difference between healthy concern mm-hmm. and versus worry, unhealthy. Well, that worry. was going to be my next question, June. I'm so glad that you went there because. I think that some of us, maybe we find ourselves kind of like descending into worry that maybe begins as a concern because there are things that happen that we don't plan for those things to happen or uh, we had no control over that situation. And then we are concerned about the outcome, concerned about what we will do. How do we know when we've crossed the line from concern and giving the right attention to a matter uh, over into worry and having a divided mind. Worry feels out of control. Hmm. A concern takes control where it's possible. Um, hmm. And worry distracts from the problem and it's just a rehearsing oh i'm just so afraid this is gonna you know all these all these this concept i'm so worried whereas concern focuses on the problem let let me give you a specific years ago there was a there was a couple that came to me and um we we were a new ministry they heard our radio program on radio and Hmm. and this they were describing a little son. He was probably, I, I think he might have been six years old, and uh, they refused to let him be around any body of water. I'm talking about anybody who had a swimming pool at their home. They were afraid he was going to drown. And they, they told me, we don't want, you know, we're, we're really worried he's going to drown. Hmm. And so... What I heard was 
they had to limit all these things that he could do. And so <laughs> I said, so you're, what, what I'm hearing, you're, you're saying you're worried he's going to drown. What do you think out of concern that you could do to promote action that could be helping solve the problem? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, swimming lessons. <laughs> yeah. It was stunning. <laughs> Later, they wrote me. They and, and by the way, I, I did happen to use Scripture. I said, you know, God has already determined the day that your son will die. Mm-hmm. All the days ordained for us were written in mm-hmm. his book, God's book, before one of them came to be. That's Psalm, Psalm 139, verse 16. And that even the Bible says that he we he has decreed the number of of his months that we cannot exceed, as it's in Job fourteen five. So you just take a look at those two verses. Hmm. I said, do you understand? Your son can't die until his time. So why Amen. not do something constructively? Mm-hmm. So let, let's put it this way: there's destructive worry versus constructive concern. Destructive worry promotes inaction and can paralyze. Some people are paralyzed with worry, whereas constructive concern prompts action. And so really, uh, constructive concern puts a plan together, Mm. um, demonstrates the ability to see the full picture with reality, uh, it it does focus on the problem, but it moves to find constructive solutions. Yeah. And so I think the issue it it is right for us to be concerned at different junctures of of our lives or loved ones' lives. Uh, you all have children, mm-hmm. and so you want to do what is going to be in their best interest. But just to limit and say, okay, everybody's going to stay home, nobody's ever going to go out, you know, uh, that, that is not the solution. Instead, uh, constructive concern produces maturity and growth, mm, and that's, that's healthy. That's good. Okay, wow. so what about the person who is listening right now who is worried about the condition of our culture? There's a, a Christian who is listening right now, and they say, um, or he or she says, Man, we are in a rapid decline. I am I'm I'm worried about the outcome of like where our country will end up. There are people who are worried about the state of the economy. What does this mean for the future? They've been trying to uh prepare and plan and they feel like all of that could be messed up. They don't know where things are gonna go. And so these are the things that seem to consume them. How do we begin to address that worry or that concern? You get very specific, by the way. If if and since, um, there's a whole section in the Bible about do not worry. And it's in, in Matthew 6, you know, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And you see what, so, so let's eliminate the word worry and just say, I am concerned about my country. I'm mm. concerned about the cancel culture. Mm. In mm-hmm. fact, for you, I would say, okay, you address constructively you address issues 
and some people might want to cancel you. Well, what would hey, you do? June, then- let me jump in. Let me jump in right here. We got to grab this break. We'll come right back, continue to talk about worry and stress and anxiety. June Hunt is our guest. We'll be right back. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Phil Wickham, Living Hope. Our guest is June Hunt, who is an author and counselor and founder of Hope for the Heart. You can learn more about Hope for the Heart by going to hopefortheheart.org, hopefortheheart.org. June, before we went to the break, we were talking about worry. And um, not only have you written and counseled on worry, um, but you've also written and counseled on stress. And I'm wondering, um, is there a way for us to kind of answer the question, which one of those comes first? Are we stressed out and then we worry? Or do we worry because we're stressed out? Are they independent of one another? Well, let me ask you a question. When you okay. hear stress, Mickey, do you think of it as positive or negative? N- negative. Typically, you would think what? Yeah. N- negative. Now, have you... Have you ever had a final exam at in school? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> did you? Okay, yes. Okay. So, um, did you feel stressed that it was the final exam? Yes. Yes? <laughs> okay. And so what did you do? I studied really late and really long, um, really hard, mm-hmm. drank a lot of coffee, mm-hmm. Uh, quizzed mm-hmm. myself over and over again, and then um, prayed mm-hmm. that the Lord would give me total recall. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is, you didn't just say, I'm worried, I'm worried, and do nothing. Mm, right. You actually took the stress of knowing that this is going to be a major part of your grade, your final grade, and you took action like I did, and, I, you know, at times I would do an all-nighter, and, mm-hmm. and I still, still periodically do all-nighters if something's due. And I'm not saying everybody should do that. I'm just right. saying what we—so I want to pose, stress does not have to be negative. It and Now, distress is. Mm-hmm. If we're distressed, mm-hmm. then um, th- th- think about, in fact— um, think about a sign you're, you're driving along and there's a green light or it could be a yellow light or it could be a red light uh, what I would pose to you is if there is stress it is it can be healthy stress enabling us to see here is something we need to accomplish. We're going to have to do something. Um, it's positive motivation. The green light is posi- positive motivation. It's positive stress to move responsibly. Mm. The yellow light 
can be negative stress. It's saying, slow down, slow down. It's a motivational warning saying you've got to slow your movement down. And then the red light is burnout. Um, it, it, this movement stops. Movement stops and repair is necessary at times in our lives. Hmm. So we need to see the difference. In other words, okay, you're going to be stressed at times. And I'm saying it's it's a type of positive stress when you've got to produce. And you know what it's like to have to produce programs. Mm-hmm. And yes. here's a topic and you think, wow, you know. We really need to have good material. We what are the best scriptures? And so it it helps you face responsibility. Mm. It's productive. It's energetic. Um, it it has positive um, relationships involved, especially between the two of you. Mm. It's needful that you all work together so that you can know when to pass off some language to the other person and. You think about, okay, what do I need to, to um, mention to Will? Uh, Mickey, what, what do you need to say? Yeah. And, and so it's, it, it has a fulfillment of purpose. <laughs> it's innate, in other words, I can't imagine when the Apostle Paul was doing what he was doing, being considered by many the greatest missionary in the world, mm-hmm. going to all these different cities and countries and starting churches when there's uh, opposition. He was under stress, but it wasn't negative. He was sent by God to accomplish a purpose in his life. That's now, such a great point. So... Twiddled his... yeah, I was just going to say, if he twiddled his yes. thumbs, I'm worried, I'm worried. Well, they, mm-hmm. they could attack me. Well, yes, of course, he, they could attack him, and he was attacked. Mm-hmm. But he, he wasn't consumed, and it didn't move to hopelessness, because yeah. some people are so caught up in worry, they feel, I, I can't, I can't step out of the door. I, mm-hmm. I can't do this. I, all the things they can't do. Mm-hmm. And instead, we need to understand if we're feeling distressed, then we need to evaluate, okay, what do I need? I need to deal with truth. Truth sets us free. So what truths do we need to put into our minds? So what I would say is the stress can be because of an assignment we have from God. Hmm. It could be that it, for a student, it's to be the best student you can possibly be as long as you're a student and be responsible. But there, And there is stress with that, but that doesn't mean it's negative. But we, so we have to be very careful about making assumptions that it's always negative. You know, I'm. I, this is this is really eye opening for me. It's very interesting because I think that what I have always associated stress with is something that is negative, something that we should try to um, alleviate, or, like or it we, could have physical complications and stuff like yeah. that. You know, you can when people say, "Oh, I, it wasn't a heart attack or anything. I just was stressed out." You know, and maybe or that's I had an anxiety attack. Maybe, maybe that's, that's different. Though. Or, or maybe it's distress. You know. You know, I have a favorite scripture dealing with what we're talking about. And uh, I grew up in a very painful home, so I I understand uh, abuse and all kinds of things. So, um, And and yet, I came to Christ. Hmm. And 
he is my Savior. And Amen. all of a sudden, you know, I've I, I learned that there's Scripture. I, I didn't know any Scripture. And my goodness, <laughs> for, for a number of years, I would sign letters when people write me with this one Scripture. We are hard-pressed on every side. Notice the word pressed, pressed. Hmm. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes, there's stress. And you're hearing that in Second Corinthians 4, 8, and 9. It's a huge, huge passage. And in saying, you're going to have pressure. You're going to be, you're going to have stress. But we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Mm-hmm. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Mm. Struck down, but not destroyed. Mm. Oh, that's so good, Amen. June. That's so good. Amen. I mean, because I, I, I really think that being able to categorize our stress um, and understand what is negative stress and what is sort of, I guess, maybe my my takeaway, sort of that motivation that we have. Like, yeah, there could be these spurts of stress where we have to get things done, but those things are not... Uh, synonymous to being in distress uh, and being able to know the difference between those things. So what about if you find yourself in the place of distress when, when the stress is negative, maybe it's prolonged and maybe we don't have um, a renewed way of thinking about the things that we're facing. Um, Are there techniques, are there ways for us to reduce that stress? Are there scriptures that we go to in addition to the one that you just uh, quoted for us? Well, first of all, you do need to evaluate, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? In other words, oh, my goodness, here's COVID. Yes. Hmm. Uh, and, 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 yes, there is a lot of negative that's going on. Well, what does the Bible say? See, because he is our source for truth. I'm talking about the God who created you the God who has a plan and purpose for you, he says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans mm-hmm. to give you hope and a future. So you, you can look at Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and instead of the, the numbers of suicides are up so, so high, mm-hmm. it is alarming. So among students, uh, teenagers and young adults, as well as other categories, Okay, so I would say, let's start there. Let's start there. What does God say? Not somebody else's opinion. This is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, And he says, I know the plans I have for you. And say, thank you, Lord. You have plans for me. I don't even know what the plans are. Well, yes, of course you won't know, because you don't know the future. You're not omniscient. You, you don't know everything. So he does. He says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So instead of thinking destructive thoughts, I can't go on. It's, you know, I just want my life to end. I find that people Mm -hmm. don't don't say, oh, I want to commit suicide. No, I just want the pain to stop. I just want the pain to stop. And then... Oh, well, this is the only solution. See, they don't see that there's another solution. Well, God has the solution. And what I would say is trust him. 
Where is your trust? Trust him with your future. You don't have to know. In fact, you won't know his plan for you. You yield your will to his will. And I will say the first scripture that ever meant anything to me, I just, I never will forget it. I didn't know God and I didn't even know there was such a thing as having a personal relationship with God through Christ. But then I was shown a scripture, trust in the Lord with all your heart. The best part to me was lean not on your own understanding. Mm -hmm. I could not understand how one person, that would be my dad, could cause so much pain. He was double my mom's age. He had three families going on. We were the third family. Mm -hmm. Concurrently, all at the same time, uh, he was cruel. Uh, he said Christianity's a crutch. Uh, I, uh, I confronted him about his women, and he said, I'm not a Christian. I don't have to go by Christian ethics. Mm -hmm. Yet he was highly successful in business. And all these people would say wonderful things about him, and I just, oh, I hated him. And, and, and literally, uh, I had no, I, mean, I didn't even understand the concept of forgiveness. Oh, it made all the difference that first, eventually, I came into a life-changing relationship with Christ. And then I saw, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. So I don't have to understand why a dad can be so cruel mm -hmm. and be as he was, I just needed to put my trust in God. So, And I had some people, some youth leaders. I'd never seen anything. I'd never seen teenagers who had authentic Christianity. It was the teenagers that drew me to Christ. They had something. I didn't know what it was. I needed what they had. But I thought, oh, oh, they have this information. They knew about the Bible. I knew nothing. I couldn't turn anywhere. How do they? With, there were no tabs, and they would just turn in their Bibles. I thought, that's like a magic trick. <laughs> no tabs. Well, <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I really honestly thought yeah. that. I mean, yeah. I knew it wasn't magic, but I just couldn't understand. Yet I saw the lifestyle. I saw the attitude of peace, and, and it, they weren't caught up in popularity. It wasn't that. Mm -hmm. And so, I, so, number one, look for people who are wise. I would say, you know, there's a fascinating scripture. He who walks with the wise grows wise. Amen. He who walks with the wise grows wise. And that scripture is significant because it tells us we can become like who we hang around with. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't know anything, and, and the the those who were around me, they knew I didn't know the Bible. But they would tell me, June, June, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with Christ. And I thought, well, of course it's a religion. Why would they say that? But then they kept emphasizing the relationship with Christ. So while I didn't understand what all they were saying, I saw it worked. It worked. So it was a relationship with Christ that I needed. And then I got grounded in the Word of God based on what I saw was life-changing, and it made all the difference in the world. And I ended up having forgiveness for my father, which I needed, and I was so grateful to literally have a changed life through Christ. 
June, thank you so much for sharing that. I want to make sure that I let our listeners know about the resources that are available at your website. They can go to hopefortheheart.org, hopefortheheart.org. And in fact, we've got several resources that we want to make available to our listeners. So I want, if you're listening, um, to continue listening because we're going to give away several of June's books. So make sure you keep listening for that. Unfortunately, we can't do it today. We're just out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.